If the fruit of the Spirit is born in your life, who did that? God did, right? If you sin, who did that? Not God. So at what point does God begin acting? And what is my role when he does? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Oh, Heavenly Father, we, we, we see these words on this page, and we think, okay, we're, 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 taught, we're ta- talking about the God who, who dumps snow uh, with a thought, and, and who, who has ever made their way to the storehouses of the snow and, and knows uh, where, where every snowflake is formed. We think about the God who has such wisdom that he, he fa- fashions every flake and, and runs the entire universe and powers the stars and holds the earth in orbit. And, and, and then we look at this verse and it says, that God is at work in us. Staggering. That you're, you're not just way out there in the heavens above and beyond the creation, but you're also in the chair where we're sitting right now, just inside, working. Oh, Lord, teach us how to cooperate with that work. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, So we make it our goal... To please Him. That's our goal. That's the goal of the Christian life, to please Him. Ephesians 5.10, find out what pleases the Lord. First uh, Thessalonians 4.1, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living, and now we ask, ask you and urge you in the Lord, do this more and more. So, so that's our goal, pleasing God. That's what we're, that's what we're after. But how do you reach that goal? Uh, back in, in, in um, Philippians, verse 5 of Philippians 2 here, um, it says, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. That's another way to say the same goal. That's what I, I need to be like Christ. But right now my attitude falls way short of that. I'm not there yet. I'm not, I'm not like Christ like I need to be. So how do I get from where I am now to where I need to be? How do I make progress? We know that we're supposed to grow and change in the Christian life, become more like Christ. We want to defeat sin in our life. We want victory over, over sin in the flesh. Uh, but, but how is that done? The most obvious method is to just figure out what pleases God and just try to do it. And if you fail, try harder. Right? And if you still fail, then scold yourself, punish yourself, condemn yourself, discipline yourself, then buckle down and just get it done. That's that's most natural approach. The problem with that, there's just one little piece missing from that approach. God. <laughs> Where's God in that? Nowhere. If you take that method to the extreme then you end up with uh, what's known as Pelagianism, which is just the idea that human beings are born with the innate ability to be good. We just have that in us, and we don't need any special help from God. 
And of course, that's heresy. We understand that's heresy. Uh, John 15, 5, Jesus was very clear. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can bear what? Nothing. Nothing. If there's going to be any transformation in my soul at all, it's going to have to come from Christ. It's not going to come from me. So... So just trying to kind of white-knuckle my way through to holiness is not going to work. Uh, obviously, we're going to, if, if the whole point is to please God, then I'm not going to achieve that goal by leaving God out of the equation, right? On the other hand, some people, some people see that. They see that, that white-knuckle approach, that try-harder approach, and they say, no, no. <laughs> they go to the exact opposite uh, extreme, and they say, look, Trying is the whole problem. You need to stop trying and start trusting and, 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 and let go and let God. And they say anytime you're trying, anytime you're striving, anytime you're working, they say that's, that's of the flesh. That's your own human effort. And so that's, <clears throat> that's doomed to fail. This is the doctrine known as quietism. Just be quiet. Quiet yourself before God. Let God do all the work. Sometimes it's referred to as antinomianism, which just means anti-law, against law. Uh, these people teach that law is bad, grace is good. And they, they think they're opposites. So grace is the opposite of law. Uh, so if God says, love your neighbor, and I put forth effort to obey that command, that's bad because I'm under law. That's what they teach. Um, they say what I should do instead is just realize that there's nothing required of me. No more law. I'm out from under law. Nothing. God, God requires nothing of me. And the more I realize that, then the, 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 more, the happier I'll be and I'll just automatically do uh, what's good and start loving my neighbor because, because uh, it's when I stop trying that the Holy Spirit is finally able to produce his fruit through me. Uh, that's what they teach. They teach that grace is the opposite of effort to obey God. Those, those are opposites. And so for these people, grace means that God is just as happy with you no matter what. It doesn't, it, it, his feelings towards you never change in any way. So you could be committing adultery. You could be worshiping uh, in the spirit. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. He, he, he always feels the same. And, and the way to make progress towards sinning less in your life is just simply realizing that. Just simply realize that, God, you know, God... Uh, he, he never feels different about me, no matter what. No matter what I'm doing, and so, so the more I think about how unconditional His love is, that will cause so much gratitude in my heart that I'll just, I'll just find myself doing what's right without even trying. And 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 these, they teach that gratitude to Christ is the only valid reason to do something good. And if you say to them, well, what about all my failure and, and, and my sin? They'll say, you need to stop thinking about what you're doing and start thinking about what Christ has done. And that they say that a lot. Stop thinking about what, how you're doing. Don't be so introspective. Just think about what Christ has done. So, we've got two very different approaches to making spiritual progress. And we have to decide where to crossroads. We have to decide what path to take. Uh, stop trying or start striving. Opposite directions, right? We got to and and people struggle with this because they think, on the one hand, I don't want to do it on my own strength. I know that's bad. I know I need God's power. The power's got to come from God, and so I don't want to just just do this on my own strength. But on the other hand, when they hear that the solution is to stop trying, that doesn't sound quite right either because 
Not trying was what I was doing before I started trying harder. That's why I started trying harder was because not trying wasn't working. So it's got to be something else. We're at the fork in the road. Um, and we have to decide between stop trying, start striving. That fork is a major division within, Christ- within the church. It has been for centuries. That has split churches for centuries. And it's no different in our day. There's a lot of division over this. Uh, just a couple of exa- uh, recent examples. Um, some of you know the name Tillian Tavidian, Billy Graham's grandson, who took over at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church after D. James Kennedy died. Very popular writer and speaker and, and pastor, but decided to go down that quietism path, that let go, let God, back off, no effort kind of path. And as a result, in the May of 2014, he was asked to resign from the Gospel Coalition. Big split within uh, evangelicalism. Another example, Mike Cleveland, the the founder of Setting Captives Free program. Wonderful program. Helped hundreds of people break free from enslavement to pornography, uh, drinking, um, overeating, anorexia, gambling, all kinds of enslaving sins. Really good program. It helped a lot of people. Recently, he just shut the whole thing down because he decided he was going to go down this path of quietism. And he says there's too much effort involved with this. So this is an important issue. What's the right approach? Effort or no effort? Work, don't work. Strive, don't strive. Which which way? Which way should we go? What exactly does the Bible teach about how to grow and change, how to please God, how to become more like Christ, how to make progress? What's God's role and what's my role? Exactly how do the two fit together? What's the relationship? And how much effort should I be putting forth? How do I gain access to his mighty power uh, so that that's available to transform me? I don't know of any passage in the whole Bible that answers those questions more directly and more explicitly than Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. And and I can tell you right now, some of you aren't going to like the answer. Because if you're one of those people that you have to have all your theology in a nice, tight, neat little box... That's easy to understand. So, and you 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 can't stand mysteries or or paradox. Uh, you're going to struggle with this answer because Christ puts them together for us. Verse twelve, Philippians two twelve. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good pleasure. So there you've got obedience in verse 12 and God in verse 13. The, the quietest love verse 13. There's like, yeah, see, it's God. God's the one. He's the one who does the work in you. It's God who makes you change and grow. Um, it all comes from him. And, and so, so, so they love verse 13. The, the people who are really big on free will and um, human responsibility, they love verse 12. Because they go, they go to verse 12 and they say, see, we need to obey. It's on us. It's our responsibility to, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And, and uh, so, so, so which is it? If you do some righteous deed, it's a classic uh, whodunit. Who do, who's responsible for this? You or God? Anytime there's a doctrine that relates to the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, our tendency is always to latch onto one and downplay the other so that it's easier for, for us to understand. We don't understand how they can both be true. 
Seems like if God's controlling things, I'm a robot. Uh, or if I'm controlling things, God isn't controlling. So I don't see how they can both be true. And anything like that, 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 that kind of boggles the mind and we don't fully understand it, we don't like being boggled and so we just try to invent some kind of, we, we latch onto one side and we just downplay the other side until it makes sense. We want to, we want it to be something we can relate to and understand easily. But it's so important that we resist that temptation here because we don't want to downplay anything the Bible says. Everything the Bible says is important. Verse 12 is important. Verse 13 is crucially important. Both sides critically important to us uh, if we're ever going to understand how to grow spiritually and how to fight against sin. So let's look at these verses and we'll think about how they fit together. Let's start with verse 13 and then we'll go back to verse 12. And the reason I want to do it that way is because 13 is the foundation, 12 is the conclusion. And I, I, I say that because of that word, the first word in verse 13, for. For means because. And so, uh, verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So he's saying, there's the foundation for what I just got done saying in verse 12. Verse 12 says, obey, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Then verse 13 says, for, and then goes on to give the explanation, lay the foundation. So, so the reason why we're supposed to obey and work out our salvation with fear and trembling is because of the fact that it's God who is at work in us. So right away we see that it's not either or, it's not either God or us. It's, if you think, well, you know, if God, if, if it's God, then it's not meant, it's not really me. I'm a robot, or if it's my effort, then it's not God, I'm in the flesh. That is dead wrong. That way of thinking is dead wrong. And you'll never be able to understand any major doctrine in the New Testament if you think that way. Almost all the major doctrines in the New Testament come down to some kind of a paradox. God has put these two together. His work, our work, together. And what God has joined together, let not man tear apart. As one of the commentators said, if you can't, if you can't understand how it can be God and also you, don't let that keep you from accepting that as true. Because it's better to believe a truth that you don't understand than to believe a falsehood that makes perfect sense to you. If you're one who tends to make much of the human role, it's totally up to us whether we obey or disobey, love God or love the world, believe or don't believe. If you think God simply tells us to do those things and then makes the resources we need available, but then the final outcome totally depends on us, well, you're ignoring some very strong statements in the Bible about how God is the one who produces those good fruits in us. And if you're really big on, uh, it's God who does it all, we do nothing, the most we can ever do is just let go and stop trying and rest in him. You know, if you're that way, you're ignoring some very strong statements in the Bible as well that are very clear on the point that if we choose one way, we will have one outcome, and if we choose another, then we'll have another outcome, and which one we choose is up to us. And if you struggle with a paradox that it's both, you're acting and God is acting, well, just remember, it's a personal relationship. You know, as evangelicals, we make much of the idea of a personal relationship with God. We talk about that all the time when we talk to unbelievers. But have you ever really thought through what that means? In a relationship, there's interaction. Give and take, back and forth. Actions and responses. Influence. Communication. As you live the Christian life, 
It's important to understand your responsibilities before God, but it's also important to understand that you're not alone. God didn't just throw you in the water and say, sink or swim. God is with you. So as you walk through your day, next couple days, as often as you can remember, ask yourself, am I cooperating with God? I'm doing something. God is doing something. Are those two things pulling in the same direction? Heavenly Father, show me my role in this relationship. You give grace. My role is to desire that grace, to love it, and then to seek hard after it, and to be receptive to it. You speak. My role is to listen and believe. You guide. My role is to run in your paths. You love me. My role is to enjoy that love and to love you with all my heart. You give generously. My part is gratitude. You teach, I learn. You lead, I follow. I repent, you forgive. I remain in Christ. You bear fruit in me. Keep me right in the thick of those relational interactions today, Father. Don't let me wander off on my own. Let your compassion come to me, that I may live. For your law is my delight. May my heart be blameless toward your decrees, that I may not be put to shame. Preserve my life according to your love and I will obey the statutes of your mouth. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You established the earth and it endures. Your laws endure to this day, for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.